Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Living Scent Equipping Podcast. I'm Sarah Marie, here with Chandler and our special co-host today, Hannah Whitty. Yes, welcome back, everyone. Sarah Marie, good to be with you again. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. Before we jump in, just want to remind the people and us where we've been. Uh, The first episode of the Living Scent Equipping Podcast, we talked with Pastor Harold about what it looks like to cultivate our hearts towards wanting to see people come to know Jesus. And then the last couple episodes with Jeffo and Joel, we talked about what it looks like to be on mission, where we are in the places that God has put us and, and how it, how we can start to have spiritual conversations with people in those places. So we're trying to do this in a linear sort of way where we're building upon different aspects of what it looks like to start sharing with people. And so now we're at this point where ideally we're, we're wanting to share, we're realizing the opportunities that there are to be able to share mm-hmm. with people around us. We're starting to have some spiritual conversations by getting to know people and asking into their lives. And we're going to get to a point at some point in those places where there are going to be opportunities to say, I'm going to share who Jesus is, what he's done, and how he's impacting my life with this person. And yeah, we're going to talk about what it looks like to do that today. And Hannah, you are someone who has done that for a long mm-hmm. time in your life and someone who has been impacted by someone being intentional about seeing you know their network and having spiritual conversations and inviting and sharing with you Mm -hmm. and so you have kind of both sides of that to to bring for us today so first off thanks for joining us and we'll jump in with this question of for you what what is your personal motivation for wanting to share the gospel regularly with other people thanks for having me it's it's delightful to be here with both of you the A thing I come back to over and over and over is the the church would not exist if people didn't do this from one generation to another. I I just reread Acts with a, a handful of friends and felt so struck by how over and over there are people who are risking their lives, who know they they might die who put themselves in really dangerous situations to tell other people about who Jesus is, what he's done, how they're impacting, how, how Jesus has been impacting their their life. And uh, sometimes those can feel like fantastical stories to me, but for whatever reason in this reading, I just, I felt really moved by thinking about how I I wouldn't know Jesus if people thousands of years hadn't lived boldly and courageously and risked their reputation, risked relationships with family members, and, and yeah, risked like physical persecution mm-hmm. uh, to to just tell people what they knew and, and loved about Jesus. So that's been one thing stirring in my heart lately is, um, you know, I feel so much overwhelming gratitude that I get to know Jesus and that just wouldn't exist unless people throughout all of history had lived boldly and courageously and how many more people around me uh, in my neighborhood mm-hmm. in my spheres of influence and in my networks how many more would would maybe one day say the same thing so 
My mom is a genealogist, and so she spends a lot of time in family trees mm-hmm. and trying to figure out where families came from. And I it was just thinking, like, man, won't it be cool if in heaven you get a, like, gospel family tree mm-hmm. of, like, all the way back to the disciples, like, who shared with someone, who shared with someone, who got to you. And then from you, you know, your family comes down and you see all the people that you shared the gospel with. Mm. That's a sweet image. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that really tends to move me too is I think of the the woman at the well in John 4 and uh, the man who is possessed by a demon in Mark 5. And uh, read those stories if you haven't recently. They're so powerful and good, but they're, they're just ordinary people really two people who have very little social status in their community. Mm-hmm. They're they're on the outskirts. They're not very polished or put together at all, uh, but they're people who have these really before and after encounters with Jesus. Uh, the woman at the well, she like has this moment with Jesus and then instantly just goes and tells her whole community what she experienced with Jesus and then sees some of them come to faith. and the man possessed by a demon and and really seemingly struggling with intense mental illness Mm -hmm. uh, experiences like crazy amounts of physical healing. And then he's, you know, so enamored with Jesus. Like no one's ever seen me like you have. No one's loved me like you have. I just want to come be with you. And then Jesus tells him, no, actually, I want you to go back to your community uh, and tell them, tell them what you've done for me. And uh, you guys probably know, but the story just ends there and it's kind of like, well, what happened? What came of it? And I I had the, the privilege of being in Israel about 10 years ago and we stood on, on the cliff that this man was on and our guide was walking us through what it would have been like for him to interact with Jesus. And, and I'm just sitting there picturing like, man, what if my life was just lonely out here? And um, what if I like yeah, what if I was just deeply struggling and then what would it be like for Jesus to show up and heal me and and then for him to leave and just thinking about the the story and the the guy who was our guide had us look at the hill behind us and there was a small chapel there and um, I mean, it was so moving, but he, he was telling us that that chapel was most likely built sometime between 100, 200 CE and that chapel probably wouldn't be there if this man hadn't gone back to his community and told people who Jesus was, how he experienced him and and invited them to come know him too. So things like that really move me like those. And, and we see that over and over in the gospels, just ordinary people, even like unlikely people, um, people who probably have every reason to count themselves mm. out of being an influencer, being used by God in their weakness to just show off how good Jesus is. So. I'm someone who can come up with like every reason in the book why I have no business sharing the gospel, why no one wants to hear what I have to say, why I don't have all the answers or I have all these insecurities. And I think sitting in stories like this just helps me get outside of my own fear and insecurity and begin to live a little more boldly uh, in the power of the spirit than I would would otherwise. And I appreciate that the Bible uses stories that we can resonate with of people who come to Christ as well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we've talked about this a little bit, but I think if the stories were all people who had it all together, who then met Jesus, like, that's not me. That's not you all. Like, we're people who are broken, who are unlikely with poor reputations and struggles. And not only can Jesus work in your life through that, that he then says, join me and tell others what I've done for you. And that's really humbling. Yeah, I agree. And there's two, there's kind of two aspects to thinking about those stories for me, because I can, I can put myself in the place of kind of the main characters of those stories, either the woman at the well or the man who was possessed. Uh, and I can see, like, look back on either a season of life or some moments where I can see that sort of more radical impact of what Jesus has done in my life. And thinking about even where I was at then and think in like, this is amazing. It, this, this, what Jesus has done in my life is amazing. How could I not want to go and share with someone else? So I can see myself in that place. And it's helpful to try and go back to that moment in my mind at times too, as a motivation of, uh, as the years go on, it can be, and we distance from that. It can be hard to remember that feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, but so these stories help me to, to go back there and remember that, but then it also motivates me towards, yeah, these unlikely people all of a sudden became like super important people in in the case of, or in the sense of they shared with so many people and so many people came to faith because of them. Mm -hmm. And so now being someone who is on the other side of having already met and decided to follow Jesus, I'm out here looking for people and I might see someone who seems really unlikely to be the person mm -hmm. that even accepts Jesus and it motivates me in those stories too to think about well what if they are like one of these people mm -hmm. where they're really longing for something and looking for for healing acceptance whatever it is and as soon as they come to find it it's going to be like so insane how mm -hmm. much of an impact that they can have on whoever it is around them and just like the multiplication of even just me deciding to take a step of faith and going to share with someone, even if I think it's unlikely that they would want to know anything about Jesus mm -hmm. and the potential impact of that. It's like the, the gospel family tree mm -hmm. idea of eventually when it's multiplying like that, it's just hard to comprehend how much yeah. even one choice to decide I'm going to share about Jesus with this person, how much that can have an impact on generations or mm -hmm. entire families or who even knows it's hard to even put words to it or describe what what that could be you know who i'm thinking of when we're talking about unlikely people who can have a big impact brother paul literally went from mm -hmm. killing and persecuting christians to maybe one of like the most well-known names in the bible um even in his testimony he like refers to himself as like the chief of sinners mm -hmm. and outlines brutally like all of his sin and brokenness and continues to do so in his epistles. But I think when I'm like, oh, this person will probably never come to Christ or they'll, they won't make this decision. It's like, but remember Paul, like he had 
all of the worldly things going for him and felt like he had a purpose and um but we'll never say like oh but that was better like he talks ardently about what it means that he's been saved through faith and grace and like i think he'll probably pop up in most of our faith family trees yeah and you even you see Christians at the time having that response to fall. Like Ananias is like, got to convince them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, I just, I think as you're sharing Chandler, I just, I heard so much of the compassion of Christ and these, yeah, like you're saying, these stories feel like they invite us to see people with spiritual lenses and really let like all the other things go that we mm-hmm. think will tell us something about what someone might choose or, or who they'll become. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's such a striking example with Paul. Thinking about faith family trees, I'm wondering if we could all share like a couple people who were are in your before family tree. Um, two of mine that come to mind, one is a woman named Mary Newsom, who has passed on into glory. Mm-hmm. But I have a really like, distinct memory before I even knew the Lord of her talking to me about what she was reading in her Bible. Mm-hmm. And it was John 1, and she was trying to explain to me, like, the word was God and with God, and um, like, kid me was like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Like, this makes no sense to me. But the fact that she was so faithful to, like, tell me what she was reading in her Bible, even when, for me, it didn't mean much but I knew that that was her life was really impactful. And then uh, Pastor Jim and, and Vicki Mann are two other people who I think will show up prominently in my faith family tree of, as people who um, helped me develop a foundation of who Jesus is and um, also helped me really embrace the beauty of the church. Um, this question for me is, it's a little bit tougher because I feel a little bit unsure as to when I actually became a Christian, um, just because I grew up going to church and always had a foundation of belief, but as to when I like actually surrendered my whole life to Jesus, I'm unsure of. It was either sometime in high school during some youth group where I was like, oh yeah, this is what I want my life to be. But then I didn't really, my life didn't change a whole lot. It was just kind of like a, I feel like that's what I want. So I don't know if it happened then or if it was, uh, if it didn't happen then, it was definitely my freshman year of college when I came to new life. Um, And regardless of if that's when I came to faith or not, my, my freshman year was a major impact time, a major impact point on my faith life and I don't really know if there's one particular person that had an impact there there are people who I could name but I think the bigger impact for me was really the whole community of people that I got plugged into when I was a freshman um the I'll shout out the southwest region it was the southwest Mm -hmm. new life team at the time and I got involved and went to a small group and new life team which is what we did at the time and there was just something 
something different about the way that these Christians seem to live out their faith in a, in comparison to not all people where I grew up, but in comparison to like kind of what I saw as the average churchgoer where mm. I'm from and uh, or at least what my perception was. And I've come to be humbled later in life about how many amazing, great Christians there are where I'm from. So not to not to say bad things about about that but but young chandler his eyes my his views were different yeah and and it was less so maybe about even people older than me and more so about like peers mm-hmm. um and so when i got to u of m and there was this group of peers who were taking seriously that they follow jesus with their entire lives and that has an impact on the way that they do class and the way that they talk about faith with other people and the way that they make decisions like that was just crazy to me and Mm so um it wasn't necessarily a person uh it was a group of people who decided we're gonna live in accordance to the way that jesus calls us to live and like that broke me down Mm -hmm. (laughs) led me to be wanting to be someone who is that that's what my life is about too because Mm -hmm. uh I saw them do it and then realized that's what Jesus is calling me to. And I was like, that's, that's truly what I want. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that you grew up so steeped in the faith that you're not sure Mm -hmm. when that happened. Like what a gift to not have many memories of a life without the Lord. Like that's incredible. And I appreciate that, you know, our, our walks with the Lord are not just that one faith experience of like placing our faith but like you're able to pinpoint from conversations we've had like i went through this thing and this is who helped me through that and feel man we pray blessing in this moment over all of our families that they would have very few memories of life without the lord yeah i feel like what you're describing to you it reminds me of um Jesus and John 13 when he says the world will know you as my disciples by your love for one another and you saw it and yeah. it it gripped your heart and it moved you and there's just this part of my heart that's like oh that's the church being what the church is supposed mm-hmm. to be thank you Jesus yeah uh, that's so so beautiful Chandler yeah mm-hmm. I agree who are some of your faith family tree people yeah the the first who comes to mind is a high school teacher of mine, Garrett Brusco. Uh, I I was one of those kids who I grew up in a single parent home. My mom worked long hours, so I was at school real early and stayed real late. And he just, he really informally opened up his classroom to us. And there were a handful of us who would get to school crazy, crazy early in middle school and occasionally we would talk about god and the bible and this was in public school uh and it was because there were other christians in the room and and they knew he was a christian and i kind of just listened and was around but i remember a thing that really impacted me was whoa i'm i'm hearing people talk about god i've i've never really heard that but more than that they're creating a space of belonging for me uh, when i I just mostly imagined as a 13-year-old that I would have to sit around at school by myself. So that really impacted me. And 
have since gotten to go back and just have some really sweet conversations with him and uh, even just share with him like that his his love and kindness really was a part of like opening my heart wow. to the Lord. It's really cool. And yeah, yeah I so I, I didn't grow up around church at all. And in high school, I had a, a guy friend, John, who recently had become a Christian and he he went he was similar to me like didn't grow up in church uh had a friend invite him and something in his heart just like exploded with love for Jesus really quickly and he was kind of like a a somewhat popular kid in our high school and athlete all the things and he just started talking with like all his friends about Jesus and sharing about what Jesus was doing in his life and he was really direct and curious with others. Uh, and I, I recently circled back to him and this is so wild guys. He, it was around 15 people that he had like in-depth spiritual conversations with, invited to the house church he was a part of. Some of them like, some of them were interested, some of them weren't, had some awkward conversations plenty of no's, even lost some of his like popular social status in our mm -hmm. high school. And out of those 15 people, there was one who actually chose to follow Jesus and stuck with it. And I was that one. Wow. Like I was, I was the one. And he just, he pressed through like a lot of rejection, a lot of um, no's. Uh, Literally everything no teenager wants. Yeah, like yeah, rejected. right, right. To become not popular and everybody yeah. say no. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. So that for him, I'm I'm eternally grateful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just feel really moved by his his courage and his boldness. Like you said, at a really insecure time of life, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to think of. You know, even the fact that the three of us are here because of other people's boldness mm -hmm. or faithful discipleship and love. Yes, yeah. definitely. I do want to shout out some people now that I've thought about it. <laughs> some people who were key in those that community. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Bondi, Trevor Meisty, Eric Ochterhoff, Sam Irvin. Mm -hmm. Those are some great guys that were great examples for me. So mm -hmm. as you were naming people, I was like, if any of them ever, I mean, Ryan is a guest later on this podcast, episode six, uh, spoiler, but uh, if any of those other guys ever listen, I want them to hear mm -hmm. that they were key in that. It was the group, but some key players too. Mm -hmm. uh, let's let's move on a little bit from from that point. I we're we're steeped in all these stories, which is great. It's it's getting my heart going towards. Yeah, this is just so important. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to imagine the potential impact of making the decision to say I'm going to share with someone. Um, mm -hmm. And so my question to kind of transition us is just as we think, as we. I guess, start to notice that someone might be spiritually interested. There might be someone who you're thinking, I could probably, they might be interested in knowing more about Jesus. One question that I have is, what is worth it about us deciding to say, we're going to actually try and share 
personally with this person, maybe in a time that we already have with them, just say, hey, here's something I've been thinking about or in a conversation as it comes up, mm-hmm. uh, sharing with someone as opposed to saying like, I'm just going to invite them to come to church on Sunday. Not saying that that's a bad thing mm-hmm. overall. It could be another part of this process. But what do we think is valuable about saying I'm going to actually try and have a conversation with someone um, as opposed to some of the other things that we could do? I mean, really the purpose of the church is for the edification and growth of current believers. And I think we do see some people who come into a church and hear the gospel and and become followers of Christ. But I think more likely that we hear is that someone who is already following Christ was like the woman at the well and went and told everyone what the Lord has done. And I think we can rely, try to rely on church when we feel insecure or uncomfortable with sharing our faith of like, if I could just get them through the door, then the church will do the rest of the work and like, it'll be fine. Um, But I don't think that's most people's experience. It's not usually someone invited me to church and that was it. It's usually someone invited me to church and they shared their story with me and then I made a, a decision. So I think we see that in scripture as well that it is person to person sharing mm-hmm. who Jesus is, what he's done, and how he's mm-hmm. impacting their life. And bonus, if someone experiences someone, you know, humbly, directly, and curiously talking with them about faith, sharing the gospel, engaging really well, that actually equips them to then go and do it. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, like you were alluding to earlier, like the multiplication impact is is huge. And I, I think Chandler, even with what you're asking, I was just sitting here and when I get through all my insecurity and fear, like I, I actually do have a real desire to know people's hearts, to know what's in there, to talk about the real things. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm in touch with that, then it's like, yeah, jumping into spiritual conversation, bringing the gospel into a conversation and just asking people real honest questions about Jesus and and sharing what I love about him. Mm-hmm. That feels like that's what I want in my relationships under all my insecurity and fear. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what I would say. It's like that produces the kind of relationships I, I want to be having in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like the the reason we may want to go towards I'll just invite them to something is because it can help us not have to address maybe a fear that we have towards just personally sharing. At least for me. Yeah. At least I for think me. That, I think that uh, is likely relatable for, oh, for everyone. everyone. Yeah. Um, Except for John. John who... John who shared with Hannah. As a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, not for John Thiessing, but encourage. I mean, there's something about like, hey, come to this thing that I go to and someone else is going to tell you about about Jesus. And, you know, I'm kind of saying I agree by inviting you and telling you that I go to this thing, but I don't have to like wholeheartedly commit to 
this is what I believe and this is what I actually want for you too mm-hmm. by like inviting and kind of passing off the responsibility to like a a sermon or professional Christian professional yeah, yeah. in air quotes big in air mm-hmm. quotes professional <laughs> and even too I mean I don't there's no I don't there's not many better springboards into sharing the gospel than grabbing lunch after a service or hanging out after a home group. Those those yeah. are just such key moments because it's like we've been sitting in spiritual truth together. We've You're been crying. talking about scripture together. Mm-hmm. Well, just yeah, being curious about the, what the Lord's doing yeah. in someone's heart. Yeah, just to be clear, it's not that those things are bad to invite no. a non-Christian to. It's just if we think that that's the only thing that we need to do it might lead to like that person just comes and they hear something but they don't actually yeah engage with it or mm-hmm. we we can't know where they're at either if we we're not asking about it yeah so as we're planning and executing you know ministry plans those type of events sunday service social events um maybe some sort of community gathering well, those are on ramps those are a way that we can invite people into something, but it's not the ending. Mm -hmm. It's an on-ramp. And I think putting all of those things together works really well. Mm -hmm. I guess we've all kind of acknowledged that we have some fears and insecurities and that remembering our stories and praying for the Lord to really help us have confidence and boldness and wanting to share our like great steps. But what are what are other things that you all find give you more confidence or help you feel more emboldened to share even with your own hesitancies and fears? One for me is is the promise that God is drawing people to himself, and I have no idea who that is. But in, in my neighborhood, on U of M's campus in Ann Arbor, God is drawing people to himself. Mm-hmm. That's what he's been doing from the beginning of time. And, and since I can't know who those people are, a thing that yeah, really helps me and gives me confidence is just to not make other people's choices for them. And and kind of like we've been talking about, I wanna, I wanna know if someone's gonna choose Jesus before I initiate a spiritual conversation because it takes the, the risk level, like way, way, way down mm-hmm. in my mind, and I just can't know that. And so, for me, it's like I can either live life on the sidelines and just watch. Uh, watch God do his thing and use other people or I can I can get in the game and I might get bruised and beat up and feel yeah feel shame feel insecure uh might have like like the thing I'm afraid of is like changes in relationship um mm-hmm. there might be like awkward tension there that didn't used to be there or uh, I might experience rejection from someone, and I, yeah, I think that for me is like, kind of like I said earlier, it's like that can feel so scary, but uh, but if God is drawing people to himself, and if I have no idea who that is, mm-hmm. then it's in my best interest to not, yeah, not make 
other people's decisions for them. Verses that came to mind while you were sharing, um, and then I think our stories prove is from First Corinthians three. Mm-hmm. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And then it goes on. But the point of it is like, even if you're the one who plants that seed and you never see that person come to Christ Mm -hmm. on this side, like that doesn't mean that after your no, that the Lord is also like, well, there goes that opportunity. Like it's Mm -hmm. over now. Like Mm -hmm. he's the God of endless opportunities and endless planters and waterers. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that's helpful for me is pre-praying through like conversations that I want to have or um, people that I'm I'm hoping to have spiritual conversations or share the gospel with. And um, the idea behind it is like, Lord, would you give me your words? Would you give me your questions to ask? Or asking him to highlight you know, what are things about my story or who God is to me that would be resonant with them of like, oh, I too have like endured this thing or had this experience and thinking through questions, even like listening to their story, like, oh, wow, how do you, how do you carry pain like that? Or what do you do with that kind of grief? Mm -hmm. And then being willing to share in my own experience, like when I've had that kind of pain, the Lord met me and this is how. So being open to being vulnerable with your own story, even beyond how you came to Christ um, and knowing that you can trust the Lord with your story and your heart in that. Hmm. Um, One thing that I think, Hannah, you do well is living an integrated life. You don't keep your spiritual life in your personal life as two separate things. Um, It's known that you are a woman who loves the Lord Mm -hmm. and it is through your whole life. How have your experiences with students been when they see how you choose to live your life? Yeah, even as you say that, I, I think that if that's true about me, that's like only true because I've experienced that with other people Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've, yeah, I've just, I remember having moments even in my own undergrad years of watching people who really love Jesus live with Jesus as the center decision maker for everything. He just came up naturally in conversations. They would talk about even, yeah, like you were saying, the the pain and the hard things in their life and how they were experiencing him at the South Quad dining hall, <laughs> you know, not, not just in their Christian quote unquote spaces. So um, it's de- it definitely impacted me just to see, oh, this is what it could look like. Like if, if someone's relationship with God just overflows into, you know, how they make financial decisions, how they're thinking about school, their career, relationships with coworkers, how they spend their time. And if they're talking about it, I mean, that just gives so many opportunities for spiritual conversations. So this isn't even really answering your question, but Great. I've been really impacted just by being around that. And here's hoping I do that and can pass that along to a few others too. Yeah. And I think the the thing that's helpful there is if 
someone, either you, Hannah, you, Sarah Marie, anybody is living in a way that they're talking about their faith in whatever situation, it's going to help with any fear of like, is someone going to be caught off guard by me telling them about my faith? Is someone going to think it's weird that I started to talk about yeah. what I believe? Um, a lot of those relational fears, it can just be helpful with that because people know already. It's yeah. like if it's something that is truly uh, an important part of your life and the way that you, you talk mm -hmm. about it and share about it, people are going to be caught way less off guard if not off guard at all mm -hmm. um and that can be as little as in um and i believe we've talked about this in some of the previous podcast episodes but as little as just saying yeah i have home group tonight with my church as opposed to i've got a thing with my friends or mm -hmm. um what are you doing this weekend well i've got a retreat with with the church that i go to or not not a whole lot but on sunday i go to church or something like mm -hmm. that um little things like that plant seeds that people are are noticing and mm -hmm. they might have their opinions on that and mm -hmm. that's okay um and it could also range to more of like what you were saying hannah of people just sharing about their life in a way that someone whether they're a believer or not may ask you a question about a thing you're wrestling with in your life and the way to answer it truthfully would be to talk about how your faith has impacted that mm -hmm. it may feel easier to not talk about that or to kind of skirt around it but mm -hmm. if we're if we're doing that and we're kind of even without saying i'm going to sit down and share the gospel with this person we could in those times be sharing little bits and pieces of the gospel with mm -hmm. someone just because jesus has impacted our life and it's that that part of it is sharing how has Jesus, how is Jesus impacting your life in mm -hmm. even those day-to-day -day and, and little parts of conversation in life? Yeah, and I think one thing I love about that is that it is an authentic foundation of who you are. And um, I think if Jesus is the most important thing about any of us, um, then why would we keep that separate? But it also really highlights, Hannah, from your story that while sometimes sharing the gospel involves um, Pastor Harold's ABCs or a bridge diagram or the Roman road, that a lot of it is really sharing your life with someone else. And if the gospel is that pervasive in your life, it has no choice but to rub off on someone else. Mm -hmm. And then think about being disciples who make disciples, you and Carson now run your household and your family differently because of other families who impacted your life. And then we will see students and Caleb and baby Witty all make those same choices because mm -hmm. the gospel and who Jesus is, is the center of our lives. Yeah. One total side note is I think uh, talking about justice issues of racism and oppression it's it's just so much more common now mm -hmm. than maybe 10 years ago 20 years ago or i'll just say i've been late to the game but um, conversations around justice have felt like such a natural point of entry into mm -hmm. talking about jesus with people and it's it's been really cool and uh, i've i've felt surprised how many spiritual conversations yeah. have come out as 
as I've connected with people about, yeah, what what systemic oppression look like right now and and what are we gonna do about it? Mm-hmm. We have a big question sitting with, uh, with our community. Yeah, I think that's great. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit with this. <laughs> I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share a little bit about like, what could that look like? Like if that comes up in a conversation, mm-hmm. like how could you share you know, a snippet of what the gospel is about who Jesus is in this conversation with with someone where it's come up some topic in terms of justice or talking about marginalized groups or you name it. Yep. The first one that's coming to mind, and Sarah Marie, I'm sure had great, great stories along those lines too, but our our nieces and nephews were spending time with us a few months ago and we have a black lives matter sign in our front yard and they were noticing it and saying black lives do matter and i just asked them huh what do you know about that sign uh what makes you say that and we just we started and they're uh they're 10 or 12 so they're young and it it was really cool to just draw them out on what they understood of of racism and in the US and why some people have privilege and advantage and others don't. And then uh, I just, I asked them, why do black lives matter? Why do they matter? And, and I can't remember what their sweet 10 and 12 year old answers were, but that felt like a moment for me where I could go back to Jesus made everyone. He loves everyone he came for every tribe and nation and tongue and in his kingdom is is so diverse it's it's full of people it's going to be full of people from every cultural background and and there's not there's not class there's not distinction even um the verse at the end of galatians 3 really comes to mind if you just want like a quick verse to go to when it comes to racism like there's neither jew nor gentile Mm -hmm. slave nor free male nor female like all the all the things in our world that we use to divide people the places where there where some have more power than others i think what that verse is getting at is is that in christ those those divisions are not actual power divisions um like they are in our world. So that's a verse you could take with you if you want a verse. And and that was a a moment where it felt like, okay, I'm I'm having this justice moment, this discipleship moment with my nieces and I'm gonna press into it and press into the the spiritual side of it too. But yeah, Sarah Marie, I feel like you're you're light years beyond me and I don't know this about work that. personally. I don't know about that. But um I have a similar memory with my nephew Hannah and I talk about our nieces and nephews a lot of him coloring in a Black Lives Matter sign for a protest we went to and just this idea that um, yeah the conversation we had about like why wouldn't they matter to, and I think the root of it is the widow, the imprisoned the marginalized, the orphan the survivor of violence um, matters to the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And I think the Christian church with a capital C has not recently done a great job at reflecting the Lord's heart. And it is a surprising opportunity. You know, if I meet someone at a vigil or a rally or a protest and um, have something that 
lets people know that I'm a, I'm a believer, um, they're often surprised like, oh, Christians care about this thing. Mm-hmm. And it is an easy invitation into sharing God's heart for everyone. Um, even in the School of Social Work, right when I did my master's a lifetime ago, um, there was this, we're all in this together mentality um, because these things are all bad, but most people did not know the Lord's heart for um, the oppressed and the um, marginalized. And so even there was easy because you talk about, well, what's your motivation for going into social work? And you know, people say like, things aren't, things just aren't right. And I'm like, I agree. Like none of this is how it's supposed to be. What are you going to do about it? Or why do you want to do it? And, you know, everyone has different answers, but you know, Jesus is the hope of the world. He's the only one who can dry every eye, wipe away every tear and set right what's wrong. And, um, it's, it's truly the only way that any of this will be reconciled. And, So to meet people who are surprised to know that the Lord sees them and loves them and cares about their pain is sad, but also beautiful entrance. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to transition us from this. Uh, I'm glad that this conversation happened, one, because it's good to talk about, and two, because I think that it highlights the fact that when we talk about the act of sharing the gospel, it's not just like planning out and deciding I'm going to go share this set of words or ideas with someone. It can happen in conversations like what you both were just talking about of taking something that matters to someone else and saying, yeah, I care about that too. And this is why and and sharing a truth about who Jesus is with someone um, that connects to maybe even a deeper meaning to caring about someone or something. Um, kind of like what you were alluding to, Sarah Marie. And there's also those opportunities in in other places just to share little bits and pieces of either our story or who Jesus is when it mm-hmm. comes up in everyday conversation. But there's also going to be these times where we get to this point where we're like, I think so-and-so, like, I think I want to share the gospel with them. I think they're at a point where they're spiritually interested. I've had these conversations with them, getting to know them talked about some spiritual things. I think I want to say either ask them or I've already asked them like, hey, do you want to know more about what I believe? Mm -hmm. Um, And those are really important opportunities to to take as well. So I want to I want to talk a little bit more about those before Mm -hmm. before we wrap up. So I guess my question is, as you both think about having that type of conversation with someone, what what type of stuff do you try to bring in? How do you try and go about those conversations? Um, even setting them up to begin with, what what thoughts do you both have about about doing that? I think kind of like you just alluded to, I, I love if it's someone that I've like been building a relationship with or someone I already know really well, I love just asking a question like what you said, could do you want to talk more about what the Bible says about having a relationship with God or you know, we've been talking about spiritual things and I've heard some of your background. Could could I share with you how I came to know Jesus and mm-hmm. what it looked like for me to start following him? And so that really helps. And I, I think as insecure as I am talking about spiritual things, 
other people probably feel just as insecure or if if not more. So knowing that they're coming into a space talking about spiritual things, I think can help other people feel a little more comfortable and and peaceful. And especially if someone's a maybe a, a deeper thinker or a pre-processor, they can come in thinking about, okay, here's like maybe what I'd want to talk about. So I just think that helps me not chicken out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I think can serve other people. And then I, I think the biggest framework I have is I I really want to frame things in, because I think this is true, that I want to share things that um, really point to, this is what the Bible says about who Jesus is. This is what Jesus said about himself. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't just stuff I've made up or stuff that sounds really nice to me. And that honestly helps me like sometimes share some of the harder things about following Jesus. Uh, so that, and, and when I say that, what I'm talking about is that that following Jesus involves sacrifice and involves personal costs, that it, it we don't change who we are and how we live to come to him, but when we come to him and choose him, he changes who we are and how we live. Um, it's not a, it's, it's a worth it and costly decision. And I, I really want to paint that picture for people. Um, but that's so different than just here's, here's what I believe, or here's what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what feels true to me. Um, I want to really share like, now here are the claims of this book and hear the claims Jesus made about himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what you're what you're talking about sounds a lot like using uh, the the ongoing action from the discipleship pathway of sharing who Jesus is, what he's done, and how he's impacting your life. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that is that it's it's pretty simple to to remember that, to kind of memorize that and just think through if I'm going to share the gospel with someone, then I'm just going to share those things. And so you're talking about sharing more about who who Jesus is and going to scripture to say, this is what scripture says about him. Uh, this is what scripture says he said about himself. Even if it's a hard thing, even if it's not a popular thing in the way that culture views the world or religion or whatever, um, and then also being able to then go from there to talk about your own story too, um, mm-hmm. because what you're talking about, Hannah, is like there's the more objective stuff of here are the things that this is just what Jesus says. This is what the Bible says. But then there's also an aspect of someone being able to see, well, okay, that's what I believe is true, and here's how it actually has impacted me. That can make it more real to that person mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and I think the word that comes for that is the word testify, which is to bear witness or give testimony. Mm-hmm. And we can't testify for someone else. But I can say, when I read my Bible, this is who who I read that Jesus is. This is who Jesus says he is. And then I can say, I, I agree with that. I have experienced that. And let me tell you how that's been. Let me tell you who Jesus is to me. Let me tell you what he's done for me yeah. and even what he's doing 
now in my life. And that's something that only you can do. No one else can share how the Lord has impacted you. Um, That is your gift to give the world. Yes, that's great, Sarah Marie. And I think that just points to a reality of like, there's no one right way to do it. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to look different for each person if we really are saying we're going to testify to the impact that Jesus is having on our own lives. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the only way to truly share everything about who Jesus is in terms of who he is and what he's done would be to just like read the whole Bible to them. (laughs) So like you probably can't share everything. And there are tools and ways that people have developed to kind of share the whole Bible story. Uh, If you've been around New Life long enough, you've probably heard about the bridge diagram. Mm -hmm. And that's a great tool. And and I would recommend it if you want something that is a, a way to kind of concisely lay out here's like the story of what scripture says about people Mm -hmm. and about God and about what Jesus has done um but if that's not your style you don't have to use that and you can share in some other way interrupting you that that is a great tool for an academic place like Ann Arbor um the bridge diagram for logical linear analytical thinkers is often way more powerful than my impassioned gospel shares. So I think they are useful tools. And part of that is building that relationship to know know your audience well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we could do like a whole set of YouTube videos or podcasts mm-hmm. about how to do the bridge diagram. With the dry erase part. Uh, and all that sort of stuff. So we're not going to get into that no. for this podcast. But uh, you could probably find some great YouTube videos on it and or... Uh, ask someone who you know around the church. They probably could point you to someone who could teach you how to do it. And if you want to practice on me, you can tell me the gospel as many times as you want. Amen. Well, thank you both for this great conversation. I hope I hope for those listening, it was helpful to think about, yeah, why do we want to share the gospel? Um, why do we not just want to get to know people and understand their story, but why do we want to go all the way to sharing about who Jesus is, what he's done and how he's impacting your life with other people. And then just exploring what it can look like to both share the gospel with people in everyday conversations and in opportunities that come up in some of those more unplanned moments. Mm -hmm. And then also that there is a time and there is a place for asking someone, hey, do you want to know more? Mm-hmm. And, and sitting down and really getting to share with someone and and hear their story and, and explain your story and how Jesus is impacting your life too. Um, yes, it is not an exact science as I hope we have have laid out clearly, um, but it is something I believe that you can, you can grow in and continue to learn how to do it well, how it works well for you. Um, and how God will will want to use your specific story to reach particular people mm-hmm. um, as you share the gospel. And so, Hannah, before we go, we want we want you to to send us out from here in in whatever final words of encouragement or prayer or both that you have you have for the people. Yeah, man, people of God, the. The God of the universe has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but one of power and love and Mm self-control. And the image that was just going through my head for 
for myself, for our community is I think when we're, when we're at the end of our life, when we're about to meet Jesus, all the things that feel scary now will just hold no threat. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no danger in them. And I, at least for myself, I think I just, I, I'm going to care so much more about, did I make choices to please Jesus um, or to please people? And I just can't imagine regretting like a risk taken for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I want to bless us to be people of boldness and courage, people who live into the the power that the Holy Spirit's given us people, yeah, of great risk and great faith. Mm-hmm. It's already there. It's already there if the Spirit's in you. And and I'm here, just someone journeying with you mm-hmm. uh, toward Jesus, someone fumbling their way through life and believing that, that God might use it. Mm-hmm. It's been great to be with you two today. Amen. Been a gift to be with you. Yes. Thank you so much, Hannah. We will be back for episode five, mm-hmm. talking about how do we do all of these things with other people. I'm excited for it. <laughs>